And now it's time for another Dr. Film Podcast. Welcome to the Dr. Film Podcast. As you know, we sometimes are serious and sometimes are silly, and this is going to be one of our more serious podcasts. I, I guess some, some, some of you will probably be disappointed in that, but most of you are going to be very happy that we're not doing another strange, very weird podcast. I'm here with Glory June Greif, Hello. who otherwise plays Anamorphia on our show, and our special guest, Jeff Lapin. Hello. So, today our topic is Rocky Jones Space Ranger. And this is one of my new restoration projects because restoration projects just get foisted upon me. I don't actually go seeking them because people come to me and say, hey, can you restore this film? It all becomes a very strange sort of thing. And Rocky Jones is one that's been kind of foisted upon me because we suddenly have to restore Rocky Jones Space Ranger, which is an oddball little TV show from the early 1950s. Jeff, can you tell us about your fascination with Rocky Jones? Picture it. Baltimore, Maryland, 1957. I was in Cub Scout Troop, I'm sorry, Pack 59, and a friend of mine, David Merrill, and, ev and I every Saturday morning would watch an episode of Rocky Jones Space Ranger, and this went on for about a year, and I was transfixed, and to this day, I still am. And recently, it's taken on a life of its own, mainly thanks to you, Eric. Uh, life, life of its own, basically because I'm strange, but no, it's also thanks Indeed. to you. Because Jeff uh, has gone out of his way to collect episodes of Rocky Jones. And he's got a few prints in 16 millimeter of Rocky Jones, which we'll talk about in a minute. And as I was trying to clear these, it turns out that uh, I was trying to clear these for a public show and we were trying to get the copyright going on them. And as I was trying to clear these, someone contacted me and said, gee, I have the lost pilot for Rocky Jones that nobody's ever seen in 50 years. Uh, are you interested in this? And I thought, well, no, but I probably ought you to You know be. somebody who does. Yes. <laughs> So then I ran it past you, Jeff. And lo and behold, it is now mine. It may be the only extant copy. And um, we have seen this wonderful print. And um, we are going to do something very special with it so that everyone else can enjoy it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what the content of it is and how it's different? Well, Rocky Jones Space Ranger, the premise was that, well, the show was done during the uh, early years of the Cold War, and so we have the Space Rangers who were the policemen or the patrol people taking care of the solar system as well as some planets and moons on the outskirts of our solar system. And um, when this first came out, um, the pilot that we, we are going to have on this CD or DVD, sorry. Um, it, Actually, Blu-ray, so that was 0 for 3 there, Jeff. Oh, yes. Thank you. so. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, uh, so anyhow, um, 
This was, parts of this were incorporated in the second three-part story. Uh, it's actually episodes four, five, and six. It was titled Bobby's Comet. And um, the thing is, the original film, which has never been, be never been, bleh, never been, be never before been seen by the public, um, had two major characters in it that had to be recast because simply they were not good. Uh, one was the main principal, um, the only girl in it, the girl sidekick, the woman. Her name was Vina Ray, who was a translator and a navigator. And she spoke, I think, 27 different languages from different planets. But the original Vina Ray was portrayed by um, an, an actress who essentially just kind of stood there and posed and didn't really involve herself whatsoever. The other was the father figure, Secretary Drake, and the gentleman portraying him had a long history of being in films. However, he did not fit the bill as far as warmth and a good, cuddly father figure for Rocky and company. Who was Secretary Drake, by the way? Secretary Drake, we never know his first name. He is the one who is the head of the United Planets and oversees the um, Space Rangers, which would be Rocky Jones and his first sidekick, Winky, and Vina and Bobby and Professor Newton and so many others that came along throughout the series. Oh, my. How long was the series on? Um, it could have run for two years or more, uh, but there were major budget problems because it was produced by Roland Reed Productions, who also did such series as Waterfront and My Little Margie. And there was actually some uh, cross-pollination from My Little Margie and... Um, I love My Little Margie. Well, what's fun <laughs> is some of the characters from My Little Margie appeared in Rocky Jones and vice versa. Mm. In fact, the first failure, Vina, she was a star in several episodes of My wow. Little Margie. Um, and then they also had in My Little Margie some fun episodes where they either were on the Silver Moon, Rocky Jones's first rocket ship, or also um, with them wearing some of the outfits, the costumes from the alleged Berman Costume Company. Oh. And they were used um, in My Little Margie also for a bit of comic relief, as hmm. if Margie Little, Little Margie needed any comic relief. Yes. Well, Roland Reed Productions went out of business, and they sold to Ziv Television, and then Ziv Television went Ziv, out of business. Ziv, Z-I-V. Z-I-V, which is actually a man's name. That is correct. So Ziv went out of business, and we don't know where Ziv sold anything to. I know that uh, Rocky Jones was distributed by Famous Films for a while, or I'm sorry, Official Films for a while, and then they were also distributed by MCA for a while, but I've contacted both Official and MCA, and they deny all knowledge. So as far Wouldn't as we're you? concerned, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> the thing about Rocky Jones that's interesting is I've watched... <laughs> A bunch of uh, 1950s space stuff, and it was very, I mean, that's one of my things is to, to watch 1950s space shows. And, of course, the, always the best ones are the George Powell ones because he, he hired really good technical people. So, anyway, I love uh, all those films, and uh, space was getting to be very popular in the 1950s. And we had because stuff of? Like well, because of uh, the space race, the space race. It, this was actually a little bit before the space race. We're fifty-one or fifty-two. But we, so were, yeah. we were thinking about it. It was pre-Sputnik and Mutnik. Yes, but what was really 
cool was that um, they were they were starting with uh, Destination Moon. George Powell mm-hmm. did, and there was a lot of science fiction going on. And remember, the V two rockets had happened in uh, in Germany. And we had gotten all these German scientists out of Nazi Germany. So there was an idea that maybe space was going to be our next big conquest. And so there, TV had a lot of things like Captain Zero and uh, Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. Captain Midnight? Uh, Captain Midnight. Captain Video was another one. And what those things had in common is that almost every one of them today is lost. Mm. Uh, Rocky Jones is one of the very few that survives. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I bet. I bet. That gentleman over there knows. Why, as a matter of fact, I do, Glory. (laughs) Um, These were done on actual film. Mm -hmm. A lot of the other ones were live action, and then they were recorded on what is known as, or called kinescope now. And what we see now that's available is some of the kinescope. But these were actually done on 35 millimeter film. They also had some wonderful special effects. They had miniaturization. Um, well, you say they're wonderful special effects. I say they're special effects. <laughs> and they are wonderful. And very realistic, considering when these were done, it is not at the scale of George Powell. However, for a television series that was ostensibly for children, but they had more adults interested, I believe, than children, except for little old me in the Cub Scouts. <laughs> yeah, the... Rocky Jones, I have to say, is better than most of them. It's it's not what I would consider stellar. Some of the writing is pretty cheesy. Some of the acting is pretty cheesy. <gasps> uh, I know, I know, it gives Greg, it gives Jeff heart failure to say this, but yeah, some of it is is not the highest quality, but uh, but in, overall, it's not bad. Uh, so the pilot for Rocky Jones, we found uh, only the first two thirds of it exists, uh, at least as far as we've been able to track down. Uh, I have not been able to find anybody who has the whole pilot. And in fact, um, I checked at Library of Congress, and they laughed. And I checked at UCLA, and they laughed extra hard. And I checked at George Eastman Museum, and they didn't even get back to me. So as far as I know, nobody has this at all. Uh, And frankly, it's the kind of thing that attracts me anyway, because it's the sort of thing that I know if I don't do, then nobody is ever going to touch it because it's just not sexy enough for the archives. Right. To. Uh, so what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping to put out the lost pilot for Rocky Jones. And as I say, we only have the first two-thirds of it, but it's cool. And then Jeff, in his vast collection of film, which labeled, I don't know, probably eight or ten reels, uh, you also had what else? Um, I had, well, first of all, I need to say that Except for three single half-hour shows, the rest were three episodes per storyline. And so I have one complete um, three-episode, hour-and-a-half show, which is called Rocky's Odyssey, which is, I think, quite remarkable. It is basically a, um, a story of Gypsy Moons, Posita and Nagato. They are traveling haphazardly through the solar system, connected by an energy chain, and um, the two moons are warring. They are run by electricity, and they are electrical geniuses who are ruling each of these two moons. When Rocky and crew land there, 
they all have different languages they speak, and there is an in a language translator they use. Looks like a stock ticker. It does. It does, but it works really well because it seems like the aliens can read the the um like what we would be reading in our language, but coming out in posita ease, shall we say? Um, and so, um, wow! How can anyone miss this? It is glorious. Plus, you see this lightning around all the time, and when they get over to the hostile moon Nagato, the planet is run by a gentleman well he's not a gentleman and he has this horrible sound going on called negato music that makes men lose control of their minds and when rocky and crew land on negato you see all these women in deco-esque gowns gesturing for rocky and crew to come higher and higher up on these buildings out of control um they're there for several Two two um, episodes actually. Yeah, if you missed this, this is an this is a reference to the Odyssey and Circe and the Sirens and all that stuff. So, that that's that's what this whole thing is. That's why it's called Rocky's Odyssey. Yeah, the little boy who is on board, his name is Bobby, and he is being taught by Vina. Um, he has different lessons that he has to be studying while he is on board the spaceship. And so, as, as Vina says to him, and your next assignment is to read this and write a report, and then Bobby gives them pointers throughout this entire episode. The third of the three is where they all land in a planet called Ankapur, which is an underground planet, and everything is done underground there. And Arch Nemesis, who is the suzerain of Ophetius, oh uh, Cleolanta, <laughs> is there disguised as Vena Ray because, as in the Odyssey, Rocky and crew are presumed dead. And so Cleolanta and her wicked crew decide that they are going to send word out that they have been um, out of communication for a long time. They are back and they are in the subterranean planet of um, um, Ankapur and waiting for th things to happen so they can make a big announcement and it just hits the fan proverbially. Yes, which again is another reference to the Odyssey because there's a scene like that in the Odyssey too which I'm not going to go on because that's too much classical literature for our listeners here. Well, of course, young Bobby <clears throat> keeps reminding the crew as they are experiencing this, oh, that's just like such and such in the Odyssey. So mm -hmm. you do automatically get a little less. Except, except near the end of this th the third episode, he says, no, things didn't turn out the way you wanted for when um, he got back to his hometown. And But that's another story. Mm-hmm. So tune in next time, same time, same station, for Rocky <laughs> Jones, Space Ranger. Space Ranger. Space Ranger. By the way, there have been some wonderful people that have come out of this series. Um, my favorite was uh, uh, Suzerain Juliandra of the planet Herculon, who was portrayed by Anne Robinson, who had the female lead in the original War of the Worlds yes. movie. And uh, Glorious Woman, who is still with us and uh, appears in various sci-fi and comic book conventions. And so anyway, she is in three three-part episodes of Rocky Jones Space Ranger and she is quite glorious. We have a, quite a few number of other people. I have to mention one more. I'm sorry. Um, in um, the, the um, Rocky's Odyssey, the ruler of Posita is this fat gentleman with a German accent. Um, you would see him decades later going, 
I know nothing. nothing. And he was Colonel, or no, he was um, Sergeant, Sergeant Schultz, Sergeant Schultz Sergeant on Schultz. Hogan's Hero, but he got his start as Bavaro on Bavaro. the um, Gypsy Moon Posita. Yes. That would be John Banner. That yes. would be John Banner is his name. Um, well, if we're lucky and we made our make our stretch goals, then what I'm going to try to do is ha have Ann Robinson do a commentary on Rocky Jones. And we've talked to some of the people about that, and that may happen, but we're not sure yet. Uh, Ann Robinson is very excited about Rocky Jones because I've, I've actually spoken to her a few times. Nice lady. Well, she was glorious in Rocky Jones, and in one three-part episode, she even played her evil identical twin. She was Juliandra, but her twin was no Viandra, and she was <laughs> wicked to the core. Ah. And for those of us who notice things, she's in a really nice tight dress all the way through that. I, I, I enjoyed that. I see. Yes. All right. Well, that being said, let's finish up this episode of the Dr. Film Podcast, and uh, we'll see you next time. Farewell.